Hello, my friends, an Alberta-centric show today. We're going to talk with Lauren Gunter about the new opinion polls showing the NDP is ahead of the Conservatives in Alberta. A bit terrifying. And we'll talk about a local MP from Calgary, a Liberal MP who says that his voicemail is full of death threats and hate speech. Well, I'll show you exactly what was in his voicemail and I'll analyze it. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. And I think today's a good day to do that because I want to show you what is um, on a CTV story that I'm going to show about this George Shahan? I want you to see it. I mean, you'll be able to figure it out if you just hear it on the podcast. But we really make these shows with an emphasis on the visual. So go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's only eight bucks a month, which I think is underpriced. And not only do you get the video version of the podcast, you support us because we do not take a dime from Trudeau or any government. That's rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, a Liberal MP feels so threatened by a mean voicemail that he publishes it on Twitter instead of going to the police. I'll tell you what's really going on here. It's May 15th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. I saw this on Twitter. This is from Friday from a liberal MP from Calgary, actually, named George Chahal. So he tweeted, I could tell you, but I'd rather show you. Listen to the voicemails somebody left at my constituency office the other night. Warning, racist and homophobic slurs, misogyny, death threats. Geez, that, that's, that sounds terrible. And it just happened the other night. Here, let's listen for a bit, but I, I won't play it all. It goes on and on and on, basically repeating the same language in a bunch of different ways. Here, take a listen. Hey, I just wanted to say that stupid, ugly faggot that deserves to be exterminated. Um, the Liberal Party, a bunch of traitor faggots just like you. And I hope your entire family dies, you ugly faggot. Hi, I just wanted to say all the Liberals uh, deserve their families to be exterminated. You're all a bunch of rat, ugly traitors that sold us out to China, so uh, kindly hang yourself. Thank you. Hi, just a reminder, the Liberal Party is a bunch of faggots, and all your families should be exterminated for selling us out to China. I hope you all get what's coming to you, and all your families receive capital punishment. Yeah, you deserve a corporal punishment, faggot. All right, let's cut it off there. It's gross. Um, the first thing to notice is that George Chahal knows the caller's phone number. Did you see that? It was identified, area code 587. That's a Calgary number. So, so he knows who calls. The second thing to note is that all these voicemails are from the same guy. Now, I listened to the recording. It, it's too much. It's gross. He swears. He calls George Chahal a rat, which is not very nice. Calls him a traitor, which is not nice. He also uses the N-word and the F-word. He calls George stupid and ugly. It, it, lots of mean insults. I do not condone them. Um, he says that Chahal deserves to be exterminated, deserves to be, and he hopes you all die. But I should point out that that's not actually a death threat. He's just saying he hopes they die. You deserve to die. That's not, I am going to kill you. Not that it's nice. It's just not a death threat. That's all. Uh, he's, he also says corporal punishment once, which I don't know if you know the difference between capital punishment is when you kill. Corporal punishment is when you get a spanking or, or get the strap 
as there was when I was in elementary school. Uh, he mentions treason uh, and China, and he hates the liberals. So it's, it's a bit of a rant and extremely rude. Uh, here's George Chahal tweeting about it again, referring to Susan Delacorte talking about death threats. He says, Susan Delacorte is spot on. Threats like these are a regular occurrence. It's almost starting to feel normal. But politicians, their teams, and their loved ones should never have to experience this. Homegrown hatred is growing, and we need to fight back. What do you mean by fight back, George? I mean, call the police? That, that's a good idea, but I don't think that's what he means. I think he means censorship of critics, including rude critics, and demonizing non-liberals as extremists or terrorists. Here, let, let's watch a little bit. Um, this is from a CTV news story that, frankly, could have been written by Chahal himself. A Calgary politician is giving a glimpse into the abuse and vitriol he and his staff received from callers. Liberal MP George Chahal recorded voicemails left at his Calgary office spewing hateful, racist and homophobic slurs against him, his family and staff. Tyson Fedor reports. Get out of my country, you It's just one of more than a dozen voicemails from one man aimed at Calgary Skyview MP George Shahal. Hey, I just wanted to say that stupid, ugly that deserves to be exterminated. Um, the Liberal Party, a bunch of traitor just like you. And I hope your entire family dies, you ugly A compilation of racial, homophobic death threats and personal attacks aimed at him, his family and staff at his Calgary constituency office in the span of one evening. It's deeply concerning that... Uh, folks are pr using this bigotry and hate speech to target politicians like myself. The unidentified caller's voicemails were posted to Shahal's Twitter Friday night, outlining the abuse he has received since jumping from municipal to federal politics, calling him a rat, the N-word, and using homophobic slurs the man wishes death on all Liberals. Well, this is the worst I've seen over the last uh, few years, and the level of hatred and discrimination towards elected officials, and uh, it's got to stop. Okay, it's interesting. Why publish the voicemail with all that vitriol? Why, why do that? Why not go to the police? He said in his tweet it was from the other day. No, it actually turns out it was from months ago. He said it's a regular occurrence, but it's the same one guy. And what was the death threat again besides saying you deserve to die? That, that's not a death threat. All of this was from one man, and I do not support that one man, whoever he is. But it turned into a press conference and a news story. All right, well, let's bring in an expert to help us think, because we don't know what to think without an expert to tell us. What is this expert expert in? Well, he's just an expert. It's Keith Brownsey. He's a political science professor. I don't mind Keith Brownsey, but he says this is a crime, a hate crime. Here, take a listen. One political expert is unsure what fuels vile speech of this magnitude, but admits it may result in criminal charges. That type of language uh, is hate, hate speech, and it can be prosecuted. It's also criminal harassment. I mean, he's threatening to kill people. Hey, George, just a reminder, you're an ugly trash. 
Keith Brownsey says a distaste from Albertans towards Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Liberal politicians only represents a fraction of the population. Maybe 25% of the population uh, has this uh, visceral disdain for the Liberal Party, but the rest of the population just doesn't care. Listen, I'm against harassing phone calls, and luckily they don't happen too often in the era of caller ID and eminently traceable calls. But is this actually a hate crime? Now, I don't think Professor Brownsey's a, a lawyer, so I forgive him, I suppose. And maybe it's a minor point, but contrary to what Professor Brownsey says, the criminal code provision against hate speech is it's a little more complicated. It only applies when you communicate to a third person, as in you publicly say something about him to him. And not just when you say something mean to a guy himself, and it has to be likely to cause some sort of disturbance. Here, let me quote from the law itself, Section 319 of our criminal code. 319.1, there's several paragraphs, but they're all very similar. Everyone who, by communicating statements in any public place, not some guy's private voicemail, incites hatred against any identifiable group, where such incitement is likely to lead to a breach of the peace, is guilty of an indictable offense, is liable to imprisonment for a term of exceeding two years, and or an offense punishable on summary conviction. Um, and that's just called the willful promotion of hatred. There are other similar sections. Um, but these voicemails weren't in, in public. In fact, George Chahal and CTV were the ones who published them, weren't they? Is it really likely to incite hatred where the breach of the peace is likely? Is it really? Against whom? The caller says the N-word and then the F-word for gays. But I think he's just using those as insults against George Shahal, who is neither gay nor black. I think the main thing is this angry, rude caller is just anti-liberal, I think. Again, I, I'm against all of this. I'm against mean voicemails. Uh, if someone who worked for me was leaving harassing voicemails like that with a liberal MP, I'd fire the guy and say, come on, give your head a shake. What are you doing? But is that a hate crime under the criminal code? I, I just don't think so. At least not yet. I'm not for these kinds of calls, but it's hardly a crime to be rude. It's really just a slightly less polite version of what Justin Trudeau says about Albertans in the oil patch or about the unvaccinated on any given day. If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your choice. But don't think you can get on a plane or a train beside vaccinated people. And now is the time for people who are still resistant to getting vaccinated to realize that that choice, which has consequences on putting our kids at risk, which has consequences at having us risk uh, more lockdowns because they haven't chosen to get vaccinated yet, that there will be consequences for those people in not being able to go to a gym or a restaurant, not being able to go to a movie theater, not being able to get on a train or a plane. I want to stand up for the choice of those who are there for their neighbors. Not those who are risking us all going into further lockdowns of slowing our economic recovery. Trying to bring people together is not always compatible with science, with 
respect for human rights with the best way to move things forward. I mean, when Aaron O'Toole talks about, oh yes, we need to unite people, we need to bring people together, he's talking about defending the rights of people who are anti-vax. That's why we've been unequivocal. If you want to get on a plane or a train in the coming months, you're going to have to be fully vaccinated. So families uh, with their kids don't have to worry uh, that someone is going to be, put them in danger in the seat next to them or across the aisle. Unfortunate that people who chose not to get vaccinated are now the ones clogging up our ICU systems and our hospital beds that should be available for people who did their work and did get vaccinated, making sure uh, that uh, businesses that choose to move forward with uh, vaccine, vaccination requirements aren't subject to unnecessary or unjustified lawsuits. If you make a choice, a personal choice, to not get vaccinated, then I will have no sympathy for you when you come to me and said, oh, but I can't go out to a restaurant with my friends, or I'm not being allowed to go to the gym, or my employer uh, is telling me I have to continue to work from home. Uh, you don't have a right to endanger others. And those people are putting us all at risk. Yeah, a little less swearing there, but I think that's actually much more likely to cause a breach of the peace. That's a little more under that hate speech definition, isn't it, what Trudeau said? Here's some more from this CTV report that could have been written by George Chahal himself, and maybe it was. Chahal's staff would not say when the calls were made, but Calgary police say it is aware of the phone calls after a complaint was lodged Saturday. Police say the initial report says the phone calls date back to March. And Tyson joins us from Chahal's constituency office tonight. Tyson, Chahal has enhanced security measures. And Alicia, Shahal telling me today that he was not subject to this type of abuse as a city councillor here in Calgary before, of course, jumping to federal politics. He says a lot of this abuse started on the campaign trail back in 2021 when running for the constituency here in Calgary. Skyview, he says his daughter and his niece were followed home while on the campaign trail. Now, here at his office, as you saw in that story, some of those security measures inside the office show staff behind secured doors while the windows and front door are actually barred with metal bars. There's also CCTV cameras inside to uh, look at the premises around the facility. Now, Shahal says it's on all politicians who fuel this type of vitriol to take it into account and be held accountable for their actions. Alicia? So those bars in his office, apparently they're part of this story, even though they've obviously been up for a long time. And Chahal only tweeted this out on Friday, and he only bothered to talk to police on the weekend. Solid journalism there, Tyson Fedor, talking about how he's terrified. That's why the bars are up. Yeah, maybe. I think it's probably more because um, uh, George Chahal's neighborhood is a higher crime neighborhood in general. Real crime, not political crimes. Um, some of the crime, in fact, in George Chahal's neighborhood is committed by George Chahal himself, in fact, which is quite a story, Chahal admitted to stealing his opponent's campaign literature right out of mailboxes, like he would snoop in people's mailboxes and take out his opponent's stuff. That is a crime, unlike uh, swearing on a voicemail, that's an actual crime, but he's a Trudeau liberal, so it's all okay, don't worry about it. 
See, there are crimes and then there are crimes. There is vitriol and hate, and then there's vitriol and hate. Uh, or as Vladimir Lenin simply put it, who, whom? Two words, who, whom? Stalin said that too. So did Trotsky. What does it mean? It means someone was going to do it and someone was going to get it done to them. A terrible thing was going to be done. The only question was who and whom. That was a fact the communists just knew. They would be the ones doing it to their enemies, not the other way around. Who? Whom? George Chahal doesn't care about crime. He literally is a criminal. And his party is soft on crime. Crime is up in Northeast Calgary and everywhere. That's why there's bars on his windows. He doesn't care about mean words. He's the one who published them to CTV and on Twitter. There was no death threat, just deep rudeness. I hope you die. It's not a deep, it's not a death threat. But you heard at the end, Tyson Fedor, what Lenin would call a useful idiot, said other politicians are to be held accountable here. Really? <laughs> Gee, I didn't see that coming. What exactly did those other politicians do? Well, it doesn't matter. It's who, whom, who's going to be smashing whom. This is about the censorship of ordinary people especially if they speak out against dear leader Trudeau. And it's about demonizing anyone who stands up to the regime, lumping them in with rude, vile people. Here's how Alexander Solzhenitsyn put it. Your punishment for having a knife when they searched you would be very different from the thief's. For him to have a knife was mere misbehavior, tradition. He didn't know any. But for you to have one was terrorism. <laughs> Trudeau and George Chahal can call you any name they like. So can CTV. But if you swear at them, get ready for prison for a hate crime. Stay with us for more. Back, there are some provincial elections that affect much more than just the province that's holding them. Ontario is one example. It's an economic powerhouse. Quebec is another. Obviously, if they're going to go full-blown separatist, that impacts a lot of other places. Alberta is the same for a number of reasons. It is the economic engine, the entrepreneurial, freedom-loving part of the country, or at least it's supposed to be. It voted for right-of-center parties for pretty much a century until an implosion of the parties on the right caused an accidental victory of Rachel Notley in 2015. It was an economic disaster. The oil patch was run out of town, the combination of Rachel Notley provincially and Justin Trudeau federally, the worst of all worlds, the perfect storm, the implementation of a carbon tax in that province that swore he would never have one. Well, Jason Kenney came back from Ottawa to heal that. He merged the parties in the right, calling it the United Conservative Party, or UCP. But alas, he did not fulfill his whole term. Between charges that he was too soft on Trudeau and Ottawa, perhaps keeping an eye out to when he eventually wanted to run for prime minister and didn't want to say anything too provincial, and his heavy-handed approach to the lockdown, at least heavy-handed compared to the standards of liberty in Alberta, he was given the boots, and his successor, Danielle Smith, was voted in. 
But she didn't come from the caucus. She came from the world of punditry and journalism. And one of the problems with that is every day for hours on your radio show or YouTube interviews, you speak very candidly about every controversial sum subject under the sun. In fact, controversy is your currency. When you're a talk show host, you've got to keep it provocative to make it interesting. Well, what fertile ground for the NDP's opposition war room to go through to take things either out of context or just to spin them in a way that makes you look, well, controversial and better suited to be a pundit than a governing premier. And I think that may be what is happening. A new poll out shows not only is the NDP ahead of Danielle Smith, the new leader of the UCP, but it's even ahead in the city of Calgary, what ought to be the most conservative big city in the country. We're going to talk about that poll, but first we're going to talk about Lauren Gunter's new column that the NDP are hardly the party of ordinary taxpayers and working people, a column that appeared in the Edmonton Sun. Joining us now via Skype is Lauren Gunter. Lauren, I, I saw your headline. It's NDP hardly the party of ordinary taxpayers and working people. I don't even know if they pretend to be that anymore. I think they're the party of the woke, of the university professors, the environmentalists, of the race critical activists. I, I don't even know, other than the fact that they get money and donations from the labor unions, I don't think they actually even pretend to be anymore, or am I wrong? No, I think they pretend to be. I, I don't think they do anything real uh, to be the party of working people, uh, of ordinary citizens, of ordinary tool pushes. You know, the, the guys who used to work on the assembly lines, the guys who used to load up their truck in the morning and drive 100, 200 kilometers out into the middle of nowhere to, to check on a pumping station on an oil pipeline. They don't represent those people at all anymore. Uh, and you can see that when when they're in power, when the NDP were in power in Alberta from 2015 to 2019, they helped along with the, the municipalities and the feds to grow the, the percentage of the workforce in Alberta that is public sector from 19 percent, which is one of the lowest in the country, to about 23 or 24 percent, which is about average mm -hmm. in the country. That's a huge increase. And that was before the pandemic, of course, where no one in the public sector got laid off uh, and the public sector grew and grew and grew. So uh, it, I, I haven't seen the latest figures on what our, our percentage is now, but it must be approaching one quarter of all workers in uh, Alberta, our public sector. And that's who the NDP represents most. Yeah. It represents teachers, nurses people in the public sector or the public uh, service in the province, in the federal government, people who want bigger government, who, who think they're hard done by it's, it's like the PSAC workers who were recently out on strike and, and were surprised to find that the general public doesn't think of them as, as hard done by little working guys. Uh, that's, that's the kind of mentality now that the NDP represents. Yeah, it was incredible to me watching those PSAC strikers when they made their passionate case. It was, hey, man, I want to keep working from home, dude. Like, that's your great grievance. We're on the precipice of a recession. Inflation. I, I was hardly doing any work at the office. Now I'm at home doing nothing. Yeah. And I want to be able to continue doing that. You know what? Uh, me too, man. 
Uh, unfortunately, yeah, yeah, only yeah. only government bureaucrats get that. But when you're talking about a quarter of the workforce now in the public sector, that's a built-in base to start from. I mean, I remember growing up in Alberta, the NDP was a fringe party. In in many ridings, it would get single digits. In its most successful ridings, it would get in the teens, and it would punch through a few here and there. In in recent years, it would win some seats in the capital. But the idea that it would dominate even in Calgary, that's the new abacus hole. So that, here's my point. I agree with you that there is a, a real collegiality between the NDP and the unions. In fact, Rachel Notley's husband, Lou Arab, is a senior executive with uh, uh, the federal QP. public. Yeah, QP, yeah, the, Q, uh, the, uh, the federal. Um, right. and, and the AFL, the Alberta Federation of Labor, which represents an awful lot of private sector union types, uh, is huge in the NDP. They are an affiliate member yeah. of the NDP. That would be um, like having the, you know, the, you know, the CEO groups out right. there, exactly. the chambers of commerce. It would be like yeah. literally having the council of CEOs as yep. part of the conservative party. Like all you're missing sure. is the top hat and the monocle <laughs> and to give those people an official standing there. I, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's really iffy from a campaign finance point of view, but let's put that aside. Calgary is supposed to be different. In, Edmonton's got the big university, big hospitals, big bureaucracy. I get it. Calgary's supposed to be the oil patch, freest city, cowboy spirit, you know, ranching, um, I'm a free man on the land kind of thing. Yep. But I'm looking at the, the stats here. In Calgary, the NDP, when you take out, uh, I mean, it's leading 42 to 36. And by the way, when you take out the, un, the undecideds, the numbers don't get any better. It looks like it's going to be a blowout in Edmonton. The NDP is oh, more yeah, than sure. double. Yeah, yeah. They went 20 seats in and, and that's yeah. not a surprise. But even no. in rural parts, it's just a single digit difference. I now I don't want to put too much stock in just one poll. And I note that Abacus is chaired by uh, by Liberal Party partisans. But boy, yeah. that's grasping at straws on my part to say, oh no, I don't put too much stock well, in and there this. Have I think been it's lots, real. Like Post Media did, had a poll done by Leger that showed the uh, NDP and the UCP tied in Calgary about seven days ago. Yeah. Uh, Angus Reid had a poll that shows the UCP ahead in Calgary hmm. uh, by a substantial beyond the margin of error. Oh. So you you name name the outcome you want. Yeah. I will find you a pollster that has those results. Yeah. But my sense is that increasingly in politics. People vote not for the policies of the party mm -hmm. uh, or the perceived position on the ideological spectrum, but for the person who socially yeah. seems the most like them. Yeah. And I think Danielle Smith looks an awful lot like uh, sort of a, a wingy type mm. of person, a person who has very extreme views, particularly on, on COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and as a result, doesn't look like me, doesn't mm -hmm. feel like me to a lot of voters. Yeah. And Rachel Notley does. And, you know, I'm I'm about to, after we're off the air here, I'm about to sit down and write a column about the NDP's job creation numbers, which were abysmal. Yeah. They're, economically, the NDP would be a disaster in Alberta. But Rachel Notley feels like my neighbor lady. Yeah. 
And that's why people are going to vote for her. And Danielle Smith sounds like a clanging gong in a her in a howling wind. Mm -hmm. And and people aren't aren't cozy to that. So a lot of people might hold their noses and vote UCP uh, because they're afraid the NDP will be bad economically. But there are an awful lot of other people who probably had been PC voters before, mm -hmm. back during Ralph's time or Law mm -hmm. Heat's time, who will simply stay home. Yeah. And if that happens, then you get 100,000, 150,000 of those people staying home. Uh, that would make a huge difference for the NDP's chances. Yeah, you know, interesting in that abacus poll, they say that 19% of people uh, who voted for the federal conservatives would support the provincial NDP. That seems like an impossible duality. Like, that's how do you do that? The, the, the NDP basically taken the place in Alberta of the Liberal Party. Yeah. Uh, the, the Liberal Party will be lucky if it gets more than 5% of yeah. the vote in the provincial election. I would be surprised if it gets 5%. Yeah. Uh, the Alberta party, which is, you know, we're the Liberal Party, but we're too sophisticated to call ourselves a Liberal Party. Uh, they are, the, the, to me, the Alberta party is the most pretentious party yeah. I have ever seen in provincial politics because, yeah. oh, we're above partisan yeah. politics. Yeah. We're, we're too good for the, for, yeah. for partisan jousting. Oh my goodness. Oh. Oh. Yeah, and so I mean they they just give me heartburn every time I hear anything they have to say because it is so arrogant. Yeah. Um, but um, they might get four percent. The Liberal Party might get three or four percent. But by and large, the kind of people who maybe were red Tories in in the previous PC regimes, and the people who are liberals. Uh, in, in the province, and, and in most elections, the Liberals would get 8 to 10% of the vote. Those people have now moved, for this election anyway, mm -hmm. to the NDP mm -hmm. because Smith does not represent who they think they are. Yeah. And the thing is, even if she campaigns in a certain way these days, she has left, as I said in my opening, such a trail of public statements that were ideologically strong. In fact, frankly, a lot can, of it sounds like rebel news. Can you imagine news. if either one of us decided to one, run for public oh, office? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Here, let me play you the latest um, NDP. I'm not even going to call it a leak because it's not like it was an internal thing. They just went through hundreds of hours of Danielle Smith talking, yeah, uh, yeah, which she sure. did for a living. And, I mean, by the way, John Tory had a talk show in Toronto, but he was so milquetoast. He was so... Yeah. Uh, cautious, there was there was really nothing he yeah. said. He was such a boring vanilla guy that there was nothing he said in hundreds of hours. There was, there was no there there. Danielle yeah. Smith sounded like an Alberta radio host, which is mm -hmm. controversies mm -hmm. of the day. And I think, frankly, some of her language is stuff that I said. I think she might be a rebel news. I know yeah. she's a rebel news follower. Um, like for example, I know that that uh, there is a criminal code section, I don't know if it's ever been prosecuted ever, that says it is a crime to disturb a religious assemblage. It's a crime. You can't mm -hmm. go and mess up a funeral or a wedding. Mm -hmm. That's actually a, a special criminal code. I, that feels a little archaic, but I, I sort of like it. You can't mess around in a church, a mosque, a synagogue. That's not a hate crime. It's just you're not allowed to mess up a church. And so when various police 
or rather health inspectors would say, let me in your church. Some churchmen, and I know this in Edmonton, for example, the Great Slate Church just south of the city, they had some church elders who would stand at the door and say, you cannot disturb this church service, come back when it's done. I think it was section 127 of the criminal code, I forget off the top of my head. That's actually a law. And mm -hmm. that law was not tested, no one charged a health officer with that crime. I don't know if, if, it, if it ever would proceed, but that is on the books. Well, Danielle Smith mentioned that, and that is uh, the latest proof of how extreme she was in the eyes of the NDP. Here, take a look at this clip that they released. I'm not going to say leak because it was a public video right. of a pundit. Yep. Here, take a look. The first thing is that you have to have good political leadership. I mean, the only reason why we saw those actions is because the bad laws gave carte blanche yeah. to our health, uh, our chief medical officer of health, yeah. and AHS to be able to enforce that. So the first step is making sure that we're electing people who would never give that kind of latitude to the police. And I think we've just demonstrated with the example that you gave. Why? Because uh, because you have frontline officers using their own judgment call about how to enforce, when to enforce, yeah. and how aggressively to enforce. And they made some big mistakes. So uh, the, the boys playing ice hockey should have never been targeted the pastors should have never been arrested. In fact, I remember being on the air because um, it was my last couple of days on the air when uh, when Pastor Coates got arrested. And there were many people sending me criminal code um, sections. You are not allowed under the criminal code to disrupt a service. That's yeah. a criminal code violation. Yeah. So I have to wonder whether or not some of those officers are the ones who broke the, the, uh, the law in doing so. And the idea now, especially as we're seeing this all endure really bad dudes who are getting let out and committing heinous uh, crimes. Yeah. And they they decided to keep pastors in jail and yeah. in solitary confinement for as yeah. long as four or five weeks. Yeah, and, and, the, and the freedom guys. Pat King was it 100 days, something well, like that. Well, this, this is just, this is just, just wrong. It is. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's an interesting thing to say. I certainly was upset with armed cops walking into churches. It felt, it felt unnatural, it felt unfree, it felt nervous. They did that in Ontario too. Daniel Smith pointed that out. I share that view, but as you say, that's this, oh my God, is she some, you know, uh, is, is this gonna be like some armed, you know, standoff like Waco or something? The NDP and their friends in the CBC are all too happy to run with that, and she's left a trail of these out there. I agree with it, but I think it can be made to scare maybe some well, of these swing voters. But, but she doesn't respond to it the way you just responded to it, which is to say, look, I don't like the idea of the police going into the sanctuary of a church and trying to disrupt the gathering, even in the middle of the pandemic. If, if there's a problem, then you need to have the uh, police come and talk to the pastor after, before, whatever, uh, and 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 we need to next time. You you can even you, you could even give them a pass this last time around. You say, but the next time this happens, we can't just rush to lock everything down. That that hurt school kids. It hurt church services. It hurt people who had to grieve at at the funeral of a loved one without anyone there to comfort them because of the public health regulations. We went way too far, and we need next time to follow the science better. 
which showed that, you know, masking was largely useless outside of extended care facilities and hospitals. Social distancing kind of sort of works, but it doesn't really. Uh, Lockdowns don't have anything except bad economic impacts. So so we need to look at all of this all over again. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's I think how she should have been handling this. Uh, but now she they, they release something that sounds wingy uh, or at least picks at a scab that most Albertans thought mm-hmm. had healed over. They yeah. don't want the pandemic brought yeah. up again. Yeah. They're sick and tired of it all. And now here's a, a, a statement from the premier that sort of reopens the wound uh, and it, but rather than saying, Hey, look, I was just blue skying about what we need to do next time, because I don't think what we did last time had as many good health effects as it had bad social and economic effects. Rather than saying that though, now she starts to scurry away yeah. from the things that she said and, yeah. and nobody's buying that either. You know, it's really tough. It, it, and you're right about aesthetics and feelings and emotions. And Rachel Notley has that folksy, friendly feeling, even yep. though at her heart, she is a socialist destroyer. She's just a socialist destroyer with a friendly smile. Yep. And she has made speeches to, to labor unions uh, during this campaign saying that if elected, they will end double breasting which is the practice where construction companies may have a unit that is that is uh, unionized and a unit that's non-unionized, mm-hmm. or at least is unionized with uh, a, a, a union that the, the big unions don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Christian union that it covers an awful lot of the construction industry that the big unions don't like. So they'll end the ability of construction companies to have both. You'll have to either grab onto the big unions and make your whole operation unionized, or you'll have to be non-unionized. And then the kicker that she's giving at these talks is you'll be precluded from bidding on public sector construction projects hmm. if you aren't fully unionized. Yeah. I mean, that's, so, that's full out like that. That's, that is so socialist that that's Chavez stuff, but she's friendly. It's what the BC me. NDP did. And, and the BC NDP basically ended up because only about 15 or 20% of the, of the union of the construction jobs in BC and Alberta are unionized. What they did then was end up throwing all of these billions of dollars at the unionized shops. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it raises the cost, slows down the, the completion dates. It does all sorts of things that uh, ordinary people probably don't want. But is anyone bringing that? See, I don't understand, for instance, why the UCP isn't doing to the NDP yeah. on the union stuff what the NDP does to Smith about her COVID stuff. Yeah, yeah um, I don't know I, who's running that campaign. It reminds me a little bit of Donald Trump and his tweets. Donald Trump, and I was a Trump supporter since 2015, and I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the fact that he was a rascal upending everything, bull in a china shop. Um, In the end, I think that was part of his downfall, because he was stressing, he he stressed out gentle conservatives because he was rough. He was a Manhattan brawler who would give you a nickname and punch you in the nose and say, what are you going to do about it? You know, he, he had sort of a tough guy style. 
And it is a fact that under Joe Biden, there are no mean tweets. He does not tweet anything mean. He doesn't swear. He doesn't make fun of people. He's also an absolute disaster economically, yes. immigration, yes, foreign policy, you name it. Yep. But he's not, but he sure, that's Grandpa Joe Biden. Hey, and even when he loses his cognitive sharpness and has sort of a senior's moment, <laughs> ho, 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 he's harmless. I know someone like, like even his incompetence is endearing as opposed to scary Trump tweets. And I think yep. that's what we've got here. Rachel Notley is a destroyer. And she will socialize and tax and de-Albertify the place. She will do to Alberta what was done to Detroit. Detroit was once the highest industrial wage city in all of America. It had the highest wage. In, in, it was the city to go to for decades. And then it was destroyed. And now it's hollowed out. Rachel Notley will do that to Alberta. And, and you know, the, the other thing that, that uh, this is just a complete aside, I guess, you hear these progressives like Notley talking all about how they're going to help diversity, equality, inclusion, end racism, et cetera, et cetera. Detroit had the highest working incomes for African-Americans of any city in the United States because the automakers would hire African-Americans and pay them the same as as white uh, workers on the assembly line. And yet uh, that's not important to the progressives. What's mm -hmm. important is, is their virtue signaling. It's, yeah. it, it's like Trudeau. It's, it's not important what his policies do in reality. Yeah. It's important how he feels and yeah. how, you, how you feel voting for him. Yeah. And it's the same with the NDP. Yeah. I, it, they don't care. Like they had a just transition for coal workers in Alberta when they were in power in 2015 to 2019. Nothing happened. They didn't transition anybody to a yeah. better job, an equally well-paying job outside the coal business. They just destroyed a few communities that based on coal mining. And, and the, at the end of the day, they said, well, we intended, we, we meant well. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole Motown, Motor City, that you know, the whole there was an enormous black cultural scene in Detroit. You're so right. And by the way, uh, if you want an analogy in Alberta, the number one employer of indigenous people is mining, including yep. oil sands. Absolutely, oil and sand. uh, yep. boy, they'd love to drive that away. The election is in two weeks from today, May 29th. Uh, we have Adam So, Sheila Gunn Reed, and other reporters on the ground. And I find this terrifying. Um, I um, I fear that Rachel Notley will be restored. Yep, I, I fear that too. And I don't know if Alberta will survive it. And and I don't want to be a pessimist, but yep. our whole discussion about Detroit shows you can destroy a great Absolutely. entrepreneurial city. Absolutely. That's what Detroit once was. Now it is a burned out hulk. But hey, the Democrats rule over that uh, that burned out husk. And so it's a victory in their eyes. What a shame. Lawrence, Lauren Gunter, great to catch up with you. The article is in the uh, Edmonton Sun. The story is called NDP Hardly the Party of Ordinary Taxpayers and Working People. And they're going to, God forbid, find that out firsthand in two weeks' time. Thanks for your time, my friend. Yay, yeah, you bet. All right, there you have it, Lauren Gunter. Stay with us. More ahead.
Welcome back. Your letters to me. Bruce Atchison says NDP are communists who believe in cheating and lying to get ahead. The goal of international communism is to have useful idiots stir up so much trouble the citizens will beg governments to lock up freedom-loving folks who they blame for the unrest. Don't fall for the spin. I've got to tell you something, Bruce. Until the last six months or so, I would have said, whoa, you're throwing the word communist around too easily. These aren't communists. They're, they're socialists. They're big governmentists. They're, they're a little authoritarian, but they're not communists. No, I think I've been convinced, and, and I think it was James Lindsay who convinced me, that communism is really just critical theory applied not just to economics, but to race and to gender. And what we saw with those NDP activists storming Danielle Smith's event, and I'm not overstating what they did. They didn't physically smash her, although they shoved a cop and they disrupted an event, is they're basically saying, as I said in the monologue, who, whom? Someone's going to smash someone. Someone's going to disrupt someone. Someone's going to censor someone. Someone's going to threaten someone. We're going to be doing it to you. That's a communist way of thinking. That's Vladimir Lenin's idea. And you know, they, they speak the language of liberalism, but they're not liberals. There's a difference between a communist and a liberal. A liberal believes in certain basic tenets, and a liberal believes that if they play a game by the rules and lose, they suck it up and take the loss. A communist says, no, no, no. If we win by the rules, we win. If we lose by the rules, we riot. That's the difference between a communist and a liberal. So I, I think I agree with you. Sue Sidlick says, Rachel and the NDP set it up. Why else would they tweet? I quote from the NDP tweet, Danielle Smith will be next door to the South Health campus at 11 a.m. today. If they were not directing activists or protesters to go there, why would they tweet it? Exactly. And what a laughable explanation Rachel Notley says, oh, we tweet out their events all the time. No, you don't, you liar. And by the way, you're not, you're tweeting to your followers. It was an instruction. And the media were completely fine with it because the media, as I said earlier about Tyson Fodor or CTV, they're useful idiots. Jay Albrecht says, even if you don't like Danielle, don't vote NDP. Remember what happened last time. Well, as Lauren Guncher told us, things are not looking good. I am terrified by that new poll. There's still two weeks to go. But I think that the media is so monstrously biased, worse than even the federal scene. I'm worried about it. Hmm. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. Shame on you, you censorious bug. <laughs>